Welcome back to another episode of the HCFC podcast. It's episode number 18. I'm your host, Bendit Ferriby, joined as usual by Tom Griffin. And we're going to be looking back in this episode at City's recent resurgence up, up the table and looking forward to Saturday's game at Nottingham Forest. So, how are you, Tom? Yeah, I'm great, man. I'm just looking forward to Saturday, barring there's, there's not some last-minute, you know, COVID test fiasco. But, um, you know, Saturday's game looks promising now. Both teams, you know, in great form. You know, we're second in the form guard, guard after the last six games. So, we'll obviously go into what we've seen in the last six games and whether, um, you know, we can see ourselves sort of continue to climb up the table and whether this form that we're going on is sustainable, you know, going mm-hmm. forward. So it's been quite a while, hasn't it, Ben, since we last did a podcast and we apologise to everyone for the long wait. Um, but I think the last time we was on, we spoke about previewing the Birmingham game, which we ended up winning 2-0. And then since then, we've gone on a, a very good run of form, um, winning uh, three of our last five and drawing uh, the last two games. Um, so what what do you take the most from these last sort of like four or five games, Ben, in terms of how we performed? Like what, what would you say the positives have been? I think the positives have been the way that we seem to play with a lot more attacking freedom, a lot more grit and determination at the back. I think you, that's evident when you see the likes of Sean McLaughlin in the side. Ever since he's come in, he's been one of our standout performers. I don't think, even even though everyone like, gives him a lot of credit, I still don't think that he's got enough credit as he deserves. Everyone obviously talks about Bernard as well. I think McLaughlin's maybe been even better than Bernard recently. And you could probably tell if at any point that it was to drop out the side that you could probably tell the difference when he's not there. You see the um, spirit he's got in him every time the opposition come forward. He's there to intercept the pass or make a really crunching tackle that was quite evident on Saturday, especially in the first half. I think the changing system, obviously, we, last time we spoke was obviously we were quite unsure about the three at the back because it hadn't really been implemented when we last spoke. Obviously, everyone's raving about it now, how successful it's been in the majority of these matches. So, yeah, and I think going forward, it's enabled the likes of Longman to really come out of his shell. Obviously, he's looked really impressive recently. He's scored, what is it? I think he scored three, is it, recently? Is it two or three? One of them. I think two two goals to assist, I think. Yeah, and then Honeyman as well, who's got, Three goals and three goals, four assists for Honeyman as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that that those three players have been the standout, obviously in the formation. Hopefully, we can take it forward going into Nottingham Forest. Yeah, going back to the short point on Sean McLaughlin, he, he's really gone under the radar. I mean, good looking at the system as a whole, and you're thinking it suits each player that we've got. I mean, Jacob Greaves is someone, you know, likes to control the ball, bring bring the ball out. And we've seen, um, certainly in recent matches, even the victory over Millwall, Jacob Greaves was on the overlap as a centre-back, crossing the ball for Honeyman. And obviously he scored from that. And it's this sort of interchangeable system, that even with the, the, the wing-backs changing. Um, Lewis Potter and Ryan Longman in games will often switch between left and right, and it, that can confuse the opposition. Of course, Keen Lewis Potter's known from cutting in from the left, but obviously Longman's goal uh, against Bristol City were a superb goal, by the way. Um, it was him cutting in from the left. And I think it's this sort of unpredictability that has seen us go on a good one of form. I mean, going back to Long, uh, not Longman, going back to McLaughlin himself, he's he's really sort of risen 
uh, up to prominence. Um, the way he commands his defence, where he comes out with the ball, he's so confident in possession, and um, he's he's also hard to beat going the other way. Um, I wouldn't say he's the quickest off the mark, but he certainly knows how to position himself. And whereas you know Bernard on the other side, he's the opposite. He's you know you can you can count on him to um, not be beaten on the outside. Uh, he's someone that's hard to beat. You know the pace and power he's got. But it's, it's certainly been like um, a massive change in fortunes for us, and that's down to the system. Um, you know, Honeyman there, you've said, had the contribution he's made. He's continued to get in the box, and all the, the goals he's scoring are the prettiest to watch. He's getting himself in the right position, and like he did last season, he's, he's putting the ball in the back of the net. Mm. And he's having a, such a huge contribution. Um, and obviously, large uh, um, applause can go to Baxter as well the way he's performing, you know, he's come into the team that he brought out the cold, really. You know, Matt Ingham's played the majority of the season and, you know, since he's come in, we've, looks like, you know, we're just flying at the table and, um, you know, he's a large part of that, you know, he's, he's made some crucial saves in games. I think it was the game, again, obviously, against Reading. Mm. Um, their player went through one-on-one and he spread himself um, and he managed to save it and it, it didn't, like, didn't look like he was going to, but in the last second, he sort of put his leg out and save the ball. So it's them sort of crucial saves and moments in games that can get you them extra points. And when you have a goalkeeper in such an inspired form, that's what you need. And and of course, it's just a shame that the likes of Longman and Baxter are only on loan and they've not gotten permanently. But we'll we'll see what happens, obviously, going forward with that. I think one point, the key player we need to talk about this podcast, Ben, is Keane Lewis Potter, the boy wonder, 20 years old. He's he's coming to his own in recent times. And it's, it's surprising that you know, he's been sort of unlocked from his shell re- in recent times by playing as a unorthodox wing-back. Um, but obviously in his last um, six games, he's, he's not struck two goals and an assist. He's had such a big impact going forward. And he's also looked, you know, solid defensively. But obviously one question mark over him is is the um, his future. You know, his mm. his uh, in, you know, instant future is obviously with City, but looking ahead to the January transfer window, there's the, the likes of West Ham and Leicester looking to be interested in him. And um, it's, it's looking like a Bowen situation, I would say. He's not at the level Jared Bowen was um, when he got his move to West Ham. But I think he's, you know, at the age of 20, he's sort of pushing towards that. I don't think he'll, you know, eclipse Bowen or even reach his level. But I think he, he is someone that in the future will play Premier League football. And that, I, think, you know, I think that's obvious. But it's how he's utilised in the future. I mean, you know, in the system he's looked, um, you know, more involved. I mean, at the start of the season, I'd say that he was he was sort of kept out of the game by the opposition, doubled up on. But I think in this system, he, he runs from deep. He's, he's usually out, out on that left. When we switch possession, one of the centre-backs switch, switch, switches play. He has space on on either side of the pitch to sort of run the opposition. That's something he's best at, committing committing defenders. And, um, you know, I think he's certainly someone that we have to keep. I think in January, we're having sort of aspirations to move at the table and perhaps stay in this league because it is that important. But what, what do you think on the matter? Yeah, I think obviously it also, again, depends on the takeover as well, sort of. Because obviously Ehab and, the, well, the Alans are still obviously here as we speak. So if they're still here in January, they're, they're going to, they're not going to want to make the same mistake again as we did with Bowen. Obviously, it's not quite like we're not in the same situation where we're pushing for for potential playoffs. I think you can't. I think it would be a rash decision to 
let someone go who's been so key to the side as we can see what happened last time. Obviously, it's not like last time where we're just solely mainly reliant on one player. We've got contributions from everywhere. But to be honest, I think if you took him out, especially recently with Josh Emmanuel, obviously there was the incident with him. We, we don't know what's going on there. And um, Louis Cole's obviously out injured. And then, obviously, you've, when he plays on the left, there's only really Elder as cover. And if we were to sell him, we've got no real cover on the right for the time being. And not only one like natural placement on the left, if, because long run, we'd probably have to play on the other side. I think it would be a bit of a rash move. And I don't think he'd be fully ready for Premier League football just yet. I think if you were to play, sell him to Leicester or West Ham, I don't think he'd get ahead of anyone, obviously, in their team. That goes without saying. So I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't benefit his career. It would only benefit us financially. But with a takeover, is, is that really necessary in the first place? I think it's important to acknowledge that he, he needs a lot, a few more seasons under his belt in the Championship uh, to sort mm. of cement himself um, and perhaps move move forward. Um, you know, he needs to hone some areas of his game, I think. Perhaps decision-making in the final third, that's one thing he needs to improve on if he's going to reach that level and maybe consistency in his finishing as well. Um, we know that he's a good finisher, but at this season, times of season, he has let us down. Um, and that's, that's to be expected. He's 20 years old, he's still learning and it's mm. easy for us to criticise, but he's obviously working on that in the training ground every day and we're seeing improvements. I mean, I think he's at his best when he's out wide um, with that licence to roam up and down the pitch. We've seen that defensively he's, he's looked solid really. Yeah? You know, we haven't usually had problems and when he has sort of been out of position, the left, uh, the left and right centre-backs have sort of covered him, covered him well as well as, you know, the centre-mids shuttling that right and left side of the pitch. So I think with his system, he's bringing out his best attributes. But like Bowen, again, he had, what, three solid seasons in the Championship before he got his move. So I think Keelan's quite has to be patient with that and not sort of look at the bright lights of the Premier League just yet and think, oh, yeah, we're, we're so close to that. I think he has to just keep working hard and playing his football for his hometown club. And then, you know, I think, you know, he's, he's even said himself in recent interviews that everyone has an aspiration to play Premier League football. And he said that mm. himself, so... Um, we know that eventually he will depart, but I think well, we have to enjoy the player while he's still here. Um, and that, obviously, that's obviously important. And you touch obviously on the ownership there. Uh, since we lasted the podcast, there has been sort of more developments um, in terms of the takeover, and it's looking like it's, it's so close to finalised now. We're at a point where look, in the next few weeks, I think, that an announcement will be made by the club, I think, I'm suspecting. Um, obviously, in Akon's recent tweet, he put, the moment I landed, I felt the energy of that beautiful city. After I see the Turkish flags on the streets on Twitter, I'm sure that we'll become one of the few of the strong ties like a family. Hope that our dreams will come true very soon. So I think that's a very promising tweet. And we also saw him pictured with um, Yabalam in London as well. So it looks like they're negotiating uh, more terms there. So um, I think it's a very positive time to be you know, a, a city fan on and off the field to, you know, hopefully get that takeover done soon. And then um, we can sort of look towards the January transfer window. But um, one sort of uh, question I have is like, how do you think the takeover could affect Grant McCann's position? Do you think that a new manager could come in and take his place? We've seen that uh, shot at Avalage. I think that's how you say his name mm-hmm. has been um, rumoured to be in the hot seat. But I think given the 
upturn in form in the last six matches that could have saved McCann's job and um, given Akron enough um, sort of positive, you know, vibes to sort of keep McCann in charge. But what what do you make of it, Ben? Like, do you, do you think McCann should still be kept on? Yeah, I do. I think he's um, I think he's on the right, especially the fact that he's obviously before the um, before the Barnsley game, there was the the West Brom game. He didn't he didn't change the formation for that, but he switched a few things around. You could tell that we weren't far off from getting something against one of the top teams in the league. And ever since then, he's acknowledged the need for a change, even though maybe the three at the back wasn't fully ta- fully tackled. I think there was obviously Louis Cole got injured, but then obviously he's switched everything around. He's, he's put like he's put Malik Wilkes up front, which obviously everyone's got opinions on Malik Wilkes. He's, he's probably the one that divides the most opinion in the fan base. We'll probably get onto the front too for Saturday in due course. I think the the way he's realised that this this team's finally got an identity to it, and we look so much more composed, more clinical, more creative, more fluid. I think with Akun, obviously his his representatives have been at the last few matches. While well, the the new rumoured director of football, I think it's Tan Kessler, is what he's what he's called. He was at he was rumoured to be at Bristol City, and he was at the reserves game on um, on Monday and obviously in recent result recent weeks of when they've been attending matches we've got the positive results and obviously that's translating to the fans there's no real toxicity in the fan base anymore so um, I think it's exciting times obviously he's, he's excited at the prospect we, we all are so yeah I think McCann's rightfully saved he's not really saved it at this point, he saved it a while back. I don't think anyone else, even if there was a takeover, you'd see anyone go six games unbeaten, have such a turnaround, and then still end up getting sacked. I think it would be quite quite ludicrous. And then if it was to sack, if he was to get the sack, could maybe translate onto a bit of negativity in terms of the players because they've got used to playing this system, we're playing so well, and then the new manager could end up coming in. To, Maybe want to do things his own way. Obviously, recruit his own coaching staff, his own players. So I think you've got to be wary of that as well. And I think he's got every right to stay in the job for the time being. I think it's mindful to sort of acknowledge that Akun perhaps um, you know he's coming to the job and he he wants to sort of create a lasting impression on the city. He's he's already acknowledging supporters and stuff like that, which is good. But we want that to translate into a strategy going forward, not just false hope and false words. I'm not putting a down on the whole situation, but I think I think if we're looking at it realistically, um, we want you know Akon to be able to bring that financial muscle into the club. We want that. We want um, a stable relationship with the supporters, which we've needed for a long time. Which you know at the start will be easy, easy for him to sort of. Uh, accumulate because of the, the situation we've been in with uh, the alums, and we also want a, a side on the pitch that that plays for its supporters, which you already have anyway. So there's there's different elements, and I think it's important not to tamper with the elements too much once he comes in. And you know, I, we acknowledge that he wants his own backroom staff and he, he wants his own way of running the football club because it's his and he's he's rightfully earned that that right. Um, but as supporters, we just want someone that's honest. I think and, and more 
comes out in the media and speaks about the decisions he's making and um, sort of uh, Lears is more supporters. I think you want that close bond with a, a with a football owner that we've not had with the Alums in a very long time. And with him, hopefully, you know, he's, he starts as he means to go on. Um, and that, that's that's what we can hope for, really. It's important not to get carried away. But I think, you know, with this takeover, it's exciting times, certainly. And we'll we'll just live for today, I think, in terms of what we're seeing. But um, going forward, I think it hopefully just translates to... Uh, um, more positive results on and off the field, um, you know, because that, that's what we want ultimately as a, as football fans, and um, that's hopefully what we we'll get. But um, one player I also want to talk about, not moving too much away from the the owner, but um, today's uh, it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Was it Mally Wilkes' birthday? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. Or was it the day before? Yeah, it's, yes, it's yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's well. So it was his birthday recently, um, and he's he's someone that I want to talk about here. I think in terms of his performances, I mean the team has seen an up to such an upturning performances. But if we're pointing to one or two players in the squad that hasn't, I think we're looking mm-hmm. at Malik Wilkes. And um, would you agree? I think obviously it's known that he's divided opinion recently, but like in, in he's got the ability. In, in matches that we've seen this season to produce a moment of brilliance that will secure us for three points. Obviously, Middlesbrough, the last, last minute goal, got us, the, got us over the line. Birmingham, we got the head of the second goal. But in overall, I think he, it's his work rate at times. Sometimes he's a bit laboured. And obviously, we've touched on it before and a lot of people speculate maybe he's put on the weight. But obviously, at times, players they can put on the weight to be more physical in the physical league, which is what the championship is. But that shouldn't really come at a cost where he's performing with a, with a bit of a lesser work rate, which is why he splits opinion. But I, I think <clears throat> looking forward to Saturday, um, I, 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 this sounds probably a bit harsh on Josh McGuinness because I'm a big fan of his. So I think he does do a lot of Good work for the team. I think the work that Josh McGuinness does goes unnoticed. Obviously, he's a forward. People expect him to bang in so many goals, but he's got another side to his game where he links the play well, gets other players in, involved, and obviously tries to nick a goal or two where, where the opportunity arises. But I do think that Eden Smith, obviously it was only a 20-minute cameo on Saturday, performed quite admirably. Especially Tyler Smith continuing his first game in a while. For me, I do think that that's a possibility that we should be going down. Not or maybe McGinnis and Smith, but I'd definitely start Tyler Smith ahead of Wilkes. Is where I'm getting at. Look, um, I think that that front two. I think everywhere else is settled in the squad. You know, the midfield. You've got Smallwood, Honeyman, Doherty. That's that's cemented. Um, for the most part, perhaps Huddleston could play small, but I think he's he's yeah. been inspired in recent matches. Uh, but you look at the, the wing-backs as well, Potter and Longman, they're undroppable. The defence, three centre-backs, you know, they are undroppable as well, but we haven't really got anyone currently that can come in and replace them. So you're mm. looking at the two forward areas as, as a position where, you know, we've, we've still got question marks over it. Yeah. And perhaps Wilkes being criticised in recent matches, um, maybe it's a bit harsher. I'm looking at his stats here. Two goals and assists in his last five. 
I mean, that's for the full season, he's had three goals, one assist. So I think if you're looking at an upturn in performances, maybe it was a bit harsh for, to criticise him because he has produced the numbers in the recent matches, even if his even if his performance levels haven't been, you know, up to the up to the levels you want to see. Um, you, you have mentioned there that he, he does produce a moment of brilliance out of nothing at times. Um, well, I wouldn't say out of nothing, but you know, he, he's he, he is, has that composure. I think sometimes that that has been that he has been missing this season. Um, but Mally Wilson is someone that you, you you want more from because you know he frustrates you because you know that he has the ability to produce more, but he doesn't do it on a regular basis. Mm. And um, uh, so I think it's it's important that you know the likes of Eden Smith keep continuing pushing him for that that spot because they know that if he continues to um, it continues if if his performance levels continue to falter, then you know they can probably take his place. But you know, um, I think Tyler Smith, you know, you said there, is someone we want to see more of. But you know, my handers have his favourite in Wilkes, and uh, whilst he continues to make a goal contribution every other game, I think it's uh, you can't really drop him really. But yeah, Wilkes is someone that does divide. He's an enigmatic, you know, figure in the club. He's someone that divides opinion, and um, you know, we'd just love him to score a winner. Against Forest on Saturday, I think that's that's what I want to put out there. But um, yeah, Wilkes is just, just yeah, just want to. I just want to see more from him. Really, that's that's what I'm getting at. I think obviously looking forward to Forest on Saturday. One of the, I'd say it's one of the best away matches in the division. Obviously got quite a decent record there as well. So hopefully um, that continues on Saturday. But yeah, like you say, I think the, the team is rather settled apart from the front two whereas obviously divides opinion massively there's been a bit of a weird statement from a Nottingham Forest account I saw that said about positive COVID news whether that's good positive or actual positive COVID we'll we'll wait to be seen but hopefully fingers crossed game isn't called off because what we've seen a bit of a trend recently where all these matches are getting postponed it doesn't really look too promising but in terms of an actual away game it's probably one of my favourites obviously it's it's not too far we always seem to take quite a few fans down so I think it's 1,600 minimum that were taken on Saturday so hopefully it'd be a good atmosphere and I think that some of the Turkish representatives representatives are there again so yeah we're yeah. looking forward to it yeah the, the for, Forest Away is always a, is a good one for me um, you know we know a few people from Nottingham ourselves and um, you know I think looking you know looking to, to Saturday it's two teams are banging form really I mean Forest have looks so good under Steve Cooper mm. um, they don't look like they have many weaknesses but I think it's important that we do get the minimal weaknesses they do have um, perhaps that's you know in behind um, their back line. Um, you know, I think we can get that back line, certainly. It's still not, you know, entirely, you know, steady. Um, you know, I think they do have, they're prone to a mistake, but, um, you know, they, one one's a good run of form has to come to an end and we're hoping it's not ours. We do we do have a good sort of, a, um, sort of recent form there, to be fair. I mean, I think the, the one game where we have lost in recent times is that one in 2019 we lost 3-0 that, yeah. that was that was terrible but it was a game where we looked like it was in it as well you know 0-0 and then going it was at last half an hour to score 3-0 yeah. or something so, yeah, it's, it's, 
But yeah, the, um, yeah, the game on Saturday, it's, it's looking it's exciting sort of uh, proposition, really. I think it's where we can test ourselves. I think you know, that six games, we have played a few teams in and around us. Um, you know, the likes of Cardiff, Barnsley, you know, Bristol City, the all teams that are fighting at the bottom of us. So, and we've got, you know, a six-pointer, we've come out on top in most of them games. But I think now, um, if we do want to push up the table, being tested against a team like Forest will be a, a good, refl- a fair reflection of where we're at as a team. And if we do come away with a, with a good, positive result, I think it'll show, you know, the fan base where we're currently at and it'll give us sort of a, um, an impetus going into the transfer window to get some players in, I think. I mean, you, if you're climbing up the table, you know, more, more players are going to want to sign. And yeah, um, think- yeah so I'm, yeah. Yeah, I think you've touched on it there. It's a game where we can to see where we're at. Obviously, Forest earlier on in the season seemed to be like in a position where we were not so long ago. Obviously, they had a shaky start, which is a bit of a shock to many people. So obviously, their squad has got a lot of experienced players, the likes of Lewis Gravenu, I think, is a very underrated striker in this in this league. We've got Lolly as well, who apparently doesn't seem to be as as um creative this season which is a bit of a shock but obviously they've got dangerous players and they're denying that they've obviously got the experience like sort of Cole back as well who's been around knows what it takes in the high division obviously which I'm thinking thinking, would I take a point probably because obviously I think Forrester was it seventh in the league that they managed to get themselves up to seventh that might be wrong but I'm certain it's seventh I think it is. It's yeah, they get the eighth in the league. Yeah, the eighth. Yeah, closing in on the on the playoff spots, which I think shows how congested this league is. And obviously, we, we've shown that getting back to back wins or back to back draws it gets you moving at the table. I think that's something that we've got to look into, especially with a lot of these um, matches this weekend seem to be getting called off. It's a great chance to move up maybe further up the table than we even perhaps thought with some of these some of the teams not playing. Yeah, I think where we could struggle on uh, Saturday of looking at a weakness for us, uh, one of them is set pieces. Yeah. Which we've we've said for we've said for a very long time. But another one is out wide, I think they've got Philip Zinganagel and Brennan Johnson as their wingers. Mm. Um Zinganagel's four goals, six assists on them from Watford. I think most most of their fans would agree that he's one of their one of their most uh, exciting players in their team, and then you know Brendan Johnson, um, for how he did last season with Lincoln, we know what he sort of brings that create creativity and behind the forward and sort of drifting, floating out wide, and you know getting crossed into the box. I think he's he's someone else that we need to watch out for. But um, you know, given the system we play, about uh, you know if we do play the three at the back again, which we we probably will, I think the weakness of that system is is in the wide areas. You've got your winger coming up and down, but if the if you put commit too many players forward, you can be susceptible to a counter attack. So I think you know if we're sort of isolated, you know, with two two of our centre backs, two or three of our centre backs back, and, and they're they're pushing five five men forward, I think we can get caught out. But um, you know, that one of their strong areas as well, I think, is the fullbacks that Max Lowe and mm. um, that is that Jordi Osei two or two or Jed, his name is in Jordi Osei two two. Yeah, and then there's that Jed Spence as well. I mm. think he's he's someone that's um, done very well since uh, joining on loan from Borough. Um, so I think 
overall, they have got the quality in the squad to hurt us. Uh, they wouldn't be where they are in the table if they didn't. Um, but we have played a Steve Cooper side before. They like to keep possession, taking yeah. over. They, they keep it simple, and you know, they attack the wide areas. And um, I think there's, there's certainly, a, you know, we're certainly going to have a way to cut out. No, don't, don't get me wrong, every game's tough, but I think, you know, I've, I've said before that it's, it's going to be a fair reflection of where we are at. If we do lose, I think we won't lose with, you know, we won't go down without a fight. I think we've seen that in recent weeks, the players have had that, that great determination, that that hunger to, to win football matches and even from losing positions. So I think it's, you know, I think it's um, going to be a, you know interesting game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think, I think I'd take a point, but like you said, Sean, the, the um... The solid recently, we've been playing with a lot of fearlessness, so I think there's a part in me that reckons that we could possibly get there and get a win. Obviously, Forest fans, a bit similar to us with likes of teams like Burnley in the past, where no matter how good of run you're on, it's that one team that they can never seem to catch a break against. So, I think maybe some Forest fans, even regardless of our league position, will think, Oh, it's it's whole, obviously, you know. The, Best of records against us at the City Ground. I'm not sure any Forest fan would deny that. So part of me reckons that we can keep that trend going based on <clears throat> the way that we've played recently. But I think like the way that they're going, obviously they won four one last weekend against Swansea, who are obviously in and around a similar position to them as well. So that does scare me a bit. So I think overall I'd probably take a point. I'll probably settle for a one one. Yeah, I, I mean, look at the recent fixtures I had against them. I mean, 2018 was fighting at the bottom for relegation, was struggling. And then we go there with a forest, I think, flying high in the league and we go win 2 0. It sort of feels like that a bit going into this game, apart from we've been on very good form and back then. And um, with that, I think that win sort of sort of gives the belief, you know, to stay in the division. And then, mm. you know, the in previous season before, you know, Sean Maloney, I think, scored. 2015-16 and Abel Hernandez I think again in, was it a 2-0 win? 1-0 that season? 1-0 is it 1-0 yeah yeah 1-0 obviously so. the, the, there's the famous one that everyone talks about with Matty Froett's goal in 2011 yeah, and Aaron McLean as well the season mm. before or was it the season after? season but, after um, yeah, yeah but yeah certainly I mean we've, we've gone there before when we've been on, on poor form and we've got a result but you know things change in football um, but yeah it's Against Forest, there. Uh, I'm just looking forward to it, me, like just getting there on Saturday. As it's approaching the January transfer window, and we've got a, a many players out of contracts, um, either with options of a further year at the end of the season, or they're just out of contracts at the end um, in 2022. I think it would be good to go through um, which players would keep and which players would sell. Um, a sort of a brief overview of each player. Um, from both of us, I think, and then um, we'll just go through each one. Um, I won't go over the loan players because we know it would be a resounding yes, we'd get them back. Mm. But um, I'll go over the other players um, that are, and I'll tell you if they've got option of a fair year. So, George Honeyman? Yes, Keith. I think, obviously, his recent forms fairly self-explanatory. Obviously, there's a bit of doubt when he when he had the injury at the start of the season, but now he's coming really coming into his own again. He's um, been making a lot of Sunderland fans on that tweet from two years ago look a bit foolish, really, saying that he can't cut in the championship. Well, he's proven recently that he definitely has acclimatised the league again. So, yeah, that's a resounding yes for both of us, I imagine. 
yeah, he's, he's the catalyst of this system. He's the he's the player that Grant McCann needs in that system. I think he's, the difference between him and Monke is that he can press and he can he has the, the energy to go for 90 minutes. I mean, you see him sometimes pressing their defence and there's the likes of Malik Watson McGinnis just sort of stood there chopping off. But it just shows that, you know, he, he wants to take the game to the opposition and he's got that bite and hunger and the desire to to succeed. And, um, and certainly he's now shown he's got the ability as well. Um, next one is Callum Elder. He's got option mm. of fair the year, but uh, mm. I'm I'm unsure about this to be fair because he's do, he's done all right when he's played. He's not really let us down, I'd say. But he's he's one that he splits opinion again. Does Elder? I'm, if he's got a further year, I'd extend it maybe to give us cover. But it depends on the system, obviously the way that the current wing backs are playing. He's not getting as much game time as he was. But I'd probably keep him maybe for, for cover for the time being. And obviously it depends on what happens. Obviously Longman's there at the minute as well, isn't he? So I'd, I'd give him a further year just for be, be, be yeah. a sensible, be a sensible option to keep him really. Yeah, I think obviously we'll be in a transitional period next few seasons and <laughs> it's important to sort of keep um, players in the squad that have, that have been around for a few years and he's someone that has been here but um you know certainly last season in league one seven assists you know he was um he looked at the part in that division you know he got in the team of the season I think at left back mm-hmm. so I think you know he's shown at that level that he's he's one of the best but I think he struggled to acclimatise to the championship a bit more I think the quality he has to come up against I think mean, that's one criticism we can have he's not the quickest off the mark but I think he's he's always someone that gives 100% and for that you, know, you can't follow him. So I think, yeah, I'd, I'd agree there. Option of fair view would be a wise decision. Uh, the next one, this is probably one of the hardest ones, I think, on the list, is Malik Wilkes. He's got option of a fair view, but would you keep him or not? Mm-hmm. Oh, we've obviously touched on this earlier on. How hit and miss he is. But obviously, just based on his ability alone, I'd, I'd say yes, because we know that I've, there's no disputing there is a player in Malik Wilkes. If he gets his attitude right, he'll be fine. We've, we've seen it in the last championship season. Even when we got relegated, scored quite a few goals. Obviously, the record in League One speaks for itself. If he puts in a bit more work right, then there's no reason why he shouldn't be one of the focal points of this side. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give him a further year for now and then based on his form. Maybe give him a further contract afterwards. I think this next six months is integral in his career. I think he's, he's 23 now. Um, if he wants to sort of move clubs uh, um, and to a championship club, certainly he has to put in better performances and he has to show that he's got the attitude to make it at this level. Some players, you know, have the ability, but don't always have the, um, you know, the attitude to make it. And you know, um, there's this all like quote, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think that could put Malik yeah. Wilkes in a nutshell, that sort of phrase. But I'd I'd extend his um club option of a fair year, I think in terms of you know his, his ability, but we haven't seen it enough again. That's what it frustrates me so much about we haven't seen it enough. But I think the player he is and the fact, you know, we don't want to lose risk losing one of three, I think would I think it's wise to extend it. And it's also important we get this takeover done as soon as possible before the January transfer window. So these issues could be ironed out because we don't want us in a situation where we're 
at the end of a at the end of the season, we're, we're looking at losing twelve players. We can't afford to do that again. But under the alums, we know that they're disorganised enough to let that happen. So, um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd extend that to a fair year. Here's another interesting one as well. Given Baxter's recent resurgence and Assad, I'd say. I mean, it's his performances and he's been keeping out Matt Ingram, and he's he's the next on the list. What would you uh, say there, Ben? I'd give him. I'd extend his contracts. Obviously, it's it's one of the, it's one of them with Matt Ingram. Um, before Baxter came in, was obviously one of our better performers, despite how um like bad some performances were. So I, I think we've got at the minute it shows how the strength and depth we've got in that position. So obviously we've got Harvey Cartwright as well, who's who's not obviously played the senior game yet. He's, he's, he's who gets called up for the um, England under twenties, I think it is. And we've got um, Ingram, who's performed ab- um, fairly admirably start of the season. Then Baxter as, as well now. But depending on Baxter's situation, I think we've got more than enough of a capable keeper. Um, so, yeah, no no, no reason to not extend his contract. Yeah, he has the option of a fair year as well, so that could be something that's, that's triggered. Um, and perhaps, um, if we're lucky, we could get back on loan, but I doubt it. Um, but maybe, maybe you know, wishful thinking. Yeah, I'd also obviously extend his contract. You know, the club option, the fair year is there. Um, we don't want to do that with too many of the players, I'd say, because you get to the point where you've extended that many that you've got loads going out of contract next season, then you've got to make a decision of whether to keep them or not, where, you know, you'd, you'd like to know where the future lies for each player. The next one, I mean, this could be an easy decision. Uh, it's Josh McGuinness. He had the club option of a fair year last season, but you know, on grass that. So I think in June, his contract expires. So what what, what do you think, Ben? Um. Hmm. See, it's a tough one, I think, because a lot of his work, in my opinion, goes unnoticed. But obviously, now he's he's, he's the wrong side of thirty, isn't he? and I think maybe yeah, yeah. so he's, he's the wrong side of thirty. Obviously, he did did really well in league in league one last season. I think we've got to move forward as a as a club. I think we've sort of maybe looked to get a better quality of forward into the club. Especially with Aku, uh, I don't. I don't like saying this. I, I, I do. I do appreciate Josh McGinnis. I appreciate like what he does for the team. But I think in general, wrong side of thirty. Yeah, yeah I think we we've got to let him go. But I wouldn't be against him. Obviously, staying if, if we did. Yeah, I think Josh McGinnis is someone else that has a bit of an attitude problem. Um. You know, when he goes off, he throws his shit. I mean, a frustration. I know he wants to play and stuff like that, but we've seen it in the past with Josh McGuinness. And, um, you know, his performances, he's not, we know he's not a championship level forward, but he'll put the effort in. Um, and, you know, you know, when a side gets promoted from League One, it's not it's not possible to have a, a full championship quality squad. But going forward as a club, he's, he's someone that we have to get off the wage bill if we want to sort of improve. And um, we know that Josh McGuinness is only going to decline even more. Um, he's, he's past his, his prime a bit now I'd say I don't know when his prime was but I think you know Josh McGuinness he has been you know last season you know one of our best players I think but this season you know if you want to move forward you've got to get rid of the likes of Josh McGuinness so I'd, I'd sell I mean I'd get rid um, you know he's, he's been a good servant for the past few years but I think 
there's a time, uh, there comes a time where you, you've got to accept that this player is not going to be the man to take you forward as a club. So I think, you know, selling him was the, the viable option. Uh, the next one, um, another, I'd say it's quite an hard one. I think if you asked me this question eight games ago, uh, well, I put forward this player eight games ago, I'd have said, I'd have said a resounding yes, but after his, you know, the way he's performed as a captain in, in recent matches, Richie Smallwood, He's the next one. He has no club option mm. of a fair of a year, but he, he's one that you're thinking, you look, he's, he's done so well in recent weeks and he's been that figurehead, that mm. captain, dragged us through games. Um, would you would you, would you, ex, would you extend it for a year? I genuinely think maybe, because I think, obviously, he's, he's getting on. But I think everyone needs a sort of player that's, what we're seeing from Richie Smallwood at the moment. He's never going to be a 10 out of 10 every week, but in order to get the results, he's, he's one of them players recently we've seen at least a 7 or an 8. You need them sort of players to be able for, for the likes of Brian Longman, Gin Lewis Potter, etc. to showcase the talent and um, get, get a lot of goals, which is what we've been seeing the last few weeks. Obviously, Smallwood at times split opinion. But I think I'd give it, I'd extend it. Yeah, I think I think you have to. Um, in terms of how he's performed, you've you you can liken him to like Ben Watson in, in the recent times in the championship. I mean, when he was at obviously at Forest, he's, he's the anchor in midfield. He'll do the dirty work. He'll put he'll put in the put in the hard yards for his team. And Rich Swan was similar to that. Um, you know, we know he's not technically brilliant. On the ball, and he's not someone that in years years to come will be remembered for his Ooh. his ability, but he will be remembered for um, the effort he's put in and his applications. So I think it, w- it would be wise to extend that for another year, considering he's our captain. Unless Akin has, has other ideas, but a year or two, I don't see that. I don't see much wrong in that. After Smallwood, the next one on the list is Tom Eaves. Um, mm. Well, let me just say about him first. Tom Eaves is someone that I think has, hasn't had his chances. In a whole city shirt in recent times from the off, but when he has played, he's someone that causes defensive issues, not necessarily with his ability, but he's, he puts himself about physically. And coming off the bench, him and him and Smith have looked looked good. But I think, my opinion, I don't think we should extend his contract. I think there's plenty plenty of League One clubs there for him that would happily take a Tommy's back of the team, even though like Gillingham. I think Tommy's if he was to drop down a level and um, move closer back to home and enjoy his football. A regular football again. I think he would be he'd be obliged to doing that. So I think it'd be best for the both parties to move them on. Um, yeah, like, like you've like you touched on there, he his his chances have been limited, and obviously he's he's been he was in his sort of prime when we signed him, and things just haven't really worked out. Which I think's like he's he's got his criticism at times, which. It, at times, the criticism he's got has been unfair. I, I will, I will agree with the people that have defended Tom Eaves. Obviously, at times you've all slated him for one one reason or another. But in general, I think it's it's it's, it's just one of them where the, the move just hasn't worked. Unfortunately, like, yes, he's shown his determination, passion for for the club when he, when he's come on. He's not been getting a chance though. I think for someone the age that he's at. I think you can't really afford to be sitting on the bench every week. It's just a waste of a wage 
from the club's point of view, it's a waste of him, waste a bit of a waste of his career if he's going to sit on the bench every week. And I think for for his, the good of him and the club, I think he does need to move on. Yeah, it was interesting when he signed. I think you look at McCann's system, four 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 three three pressing. And he's not someone that you associate with a pressing sort of game. Is he someone you associate plays back to front football, lumps the ball up front, you know, plays this long ball, sort of Tony Pulis style football, and that's what worked for him at Gillingham, and that's where he he found joy. Um, you know, the scoring these spectacular goals at the Gillingham side. So I went through a rich vein of form where he was scoring most weeks, and I remember that goal. Well, I remember seeing that goal that he scored against Portsmouth and thinking, well, you know, we've got a player on our hands here, but. You know, ultimately, that's not translated into championship football. And large part of that is not because he's he's not had the um, the the ability to do it. I think it's more so, yeah, he doesn't have the ability, but it's also that he's not had the service into him. He's not had the, mm. the system around him that suits him, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think yeah. in order to, you know, in McCann system, we know that it's it's fluid. Um, it's that it's you know going forward. It, it's passing, you know, it's keeping possession, you know, and, you know, more recently, it's, you know, cut, cutting inside and stuff like that. So I think in terms of what, what Tommy, Tommy's wants is crossing into the box, getting out wide and sort of um, being more direct and something we aren't is direct. I think you've seen, I think we've done, um, I think we're higher on the list for most number of uh, successful passes in the championship and, um, you know, I think we're quite low on how, how many long balls we do. So I think it's it's um, yeah important that we move them on in the summer. Uh, the next one is uh, Tom Huddleston. Um, he's got a club mm. option of a fair of the year, but I think uh, look, it's it's harsh. You know, he's a club legend, but I think in terms of his injuries, it's not quite worked out for him so far. But he's had the, he's had injury problems for a while now. When he, we took a gamble on him, it was more, it was a PR signing. We know he's got quality. We know that when he plays, he'll control midfield, he'll control games, but it's not where it's out. And I think for the best of interest of both parties, I think, you know, he'll, he'll look at the end of the season, like he's 35 this month, maybe he'll hang up his boots and call it a day. If he's, if he's not able to play football to the standard he wants, I think he's not someone that's going to drop down levels and make his game suffer. I think he's going to uh, go into coaching or punditry or whatever, you know, he sees best for his uh, future career. I think that's that's what he'll do. But um it's it's unfortunate that you know so far it's not worked out and we'll hope to see him, you know, later on in the season. But um you know, I think it's likely that he'll get moved on at the end. Yeah, with Huddleston, I think it's he takes sentiment out of it. He's he's done the job that he's he's been required to do when he's come in in certain matches. Like Cardiff plays as centre back for about seventy minutes of the game of the injury and then um, well I think it's, it's it's I wouldn't say it's not worked out for him obviously he got injured against Peterborough I think we sort of knew that he wasn't going to maybe play a starring role obviously he's 35 I think the, the announce that he's got would be probably beneficial to the rest of the side obviously with the experience he's got so I think maybe depending on I, I wouldn't be against keeping him as like a as a coaching role same to Similar to what, like, when John Terry dropped down to the championship with Aston Villa, he, he, he um, stayed on as a coach for a few years afterwards. And that, like, I, I'd, I'd hope that we could do something like that with Huddleston or, an, or even another ex player because they know the club, they know the players. But in terms of his actual playing 
contract. I can't see it. It's unfortunate, man. It's unfortunate that we've not seen. We we knew we weren't going to see the best of Tom Huddleston. You know, after we we had him before, he was in his prime. We got dictated games in the Premier League, and that was the peak of our time supporting the club, really. And it was also probably the peak of Tom Huddleston's career. I mean, I know he played for Spurs and stuff like that, but I think he was always sort of questioned for his role in that side. Whereas at Hull City, he was one of our most influential players. So, yeah, you've, you've hit the nail in the head there. I think you, I think it would be wise to offer him a coaching role or somewhere in the back. So a role in the, as one of the backroom staff. But Tevez is playing ability. You know, he's not, he's not had the opportunity because of his injuries to show um, that he still belongs at this level. But then again, he's also come in at times and done a good job. So it's it's a, it's a tough one, but for the best of the club and himself, I think I think he 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 worked signing a contract. But we'll have to see how that unfolds. Um, next one is Josh Emmanuel. Um, you can go first on this one, Ben. Uh, yeah, I definitely extend his contracts. Obviously, unfortunate what's happened to him recently. Maybe that'll play <coughs> play a part in in the club's thought process behind giving him a new contract. But based on what he's done when he's played, I mean, there's obviously no reason not to. So yeah, yeah I think, I think a lot of it a lot of it does depend on what what's happening behind the scenes. Obviously, we're not privy to what what's gone on. No one really knows. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to uh, see Josh Emmanuel play a part this season. I think looking at the, the, the current wing-back positions, we've been crying out. We saw him against Middlesbrough, how, we, how well he performed in that game. And then he was obviously brought out against Louis Coyle and we lost the game against Huddersfield when we switched back to the 4-3-3. But certainly in this system, you know, say if we, you know, when, he, when he, he does return to full health again and fitness, I think we could see him star as a, as a right wing-back in this system I mean you know it, it, w- it wouldn't displace Longman and um, Lewis Potter at the minute but going forward should we keep McCann and keep playing the system I think he, he could be a pl- important player next season as that right wing back um, it's just important now to make sure he doesn't he has a clean bill of health um, that's obviously the most important part um, you know let him get back nurse himself back to full health and fitness and then we'll see where he can go from there but you know, certainly he's 24 now, and I think his best days are certainly yet to come. And I think he can prove that he's a, a championship talent. And I did a piece on him for Hullav, and that was about how he's it's time to shine now and um, in the place of Louis Coyle. And then he goes and obviously has the awful sort of, um, you know, he gets into hospital, and you know, it's it's, it's a shame, but um, hopefully, you know, we we'll see him in the future future weeks once he returns. Um, but yeah, that's Josh Emmanuel, I think. Next one, Sean McLaughlin. Uh, next and last one. Uh, that resounding yes from me. Resounding yes. We've already discussed how good he's been. There's no other question apart from, well, no other answer even apart from yes. It's fairly obvious. Everyone knows it. Yeah, I, the way he's performed, I mean, this... Look, he's just so elegant on the ball. I mean, the way when you watch him, I've seen people near me say, oh, I get scared with his in possession. I feel safe. I think he's on the ball. He commands it. He's just 
your breath fresh air in that back in that back line. I think in this system you've got to be comfortable bringing the ball out and spring into midfield, and um, he's got a cultured left foot, and he's someone that I want to see more of in um, in the coming weeks. And obviously, given his performance, it's something that we will see. Um, and he'll only, you know, he's twenty five now. Um, he's far from reaching his peak, I think, but he's he's certainly still learning at that age. Um, and, and in the championship, there's no better place to learn really his trade. And um, he's someone that I'd, yeah, I've been, I've enjoyed watching. He's probably been our best player, I'd say, in recent, uh, in our last few games, barring perhaps Brian Longman. Um, and yeah, he's been quality. So yeah, he's certainly someone I'd uh, extend, and I think fast because you know if he continues these performances, there will be clubs high up the division, or perhaps in the Premier League, sort of sniffing around. Finish off the episode. Got a couple of questions. One from Lee Walker. Do you think the takeover has been close close to being announced? Fingers crossed. Obviously, no one really knows the full what's going on behind the scenes, but it's obviously looking really promising. So hopefully, be done. Hopefully, before Blackburn, which got to wait. Be patient. I think everyone knows it's a matter of time. Yeah, I think we've seen we've seen a lot on social media to suggest that it's very close to being completed with the Instagram posts from Akon's account uh, to to uh, other posts from Barry Cooper and you know um, people even Turkish supporters um, and outlet sort of tweeting about you know articles about um, the takeover. So I think I think Lee, it's a, it's only a matter of time. I think now um, that it's going to happen. I think we just have to be patient. You know, we've waited so long for it to happen, and we're, we've never been closer. I think it's important to be patient, but I, I don't see it taking longer than a month, um, you know, to, to get done. But, you know, these things take time. You know, it's a £30 million deal. Um, you know, there's a lot of clauses to be, be ironed out. So it's, um, you know, the negotiation process is obviously a long one and it's been going on longer than we, you know, we know. I think it's been going on since the start of the year, really, maybe May time. I think that was the first time he came to Akon came to the UK to visit Alum. So, you know, it's been a long, drawn-out process, but obviously for both parties, they'll be both thankful when it gets done. And we're just hoping it gets done as soon as possible so we can uh, enjoy the January transfer window and get some deals done. <coughs> the second and final question from Eddie. What are your thoughts on the recent messages of fans advised not to go to games and prioritise other events? Well, it's obviously a topic that's split a lot of opinion. Everyone knows how much football means to a lot of people. So I think... Mm, <laughs> don't really want to get into politics on, on the City podcast, but I do think the way that football fans have been like the main focus of what events people go to, I think it just shows the... Rep- the the, um, it's not a bad reputation, but reputation that football fans get as a whole from the government, I think it's one that shouldn't really be there. Obviously, there's a minority that do let things down, but when it comes to this, it does get on my nerves. It's always football fans that are the ones picked out instead of other events, like you know festivals. Why is it not, not go to festivals, etc.? Yeah, you can say that about nightclubs as well, why they're not picked out and other other events as well. You know, you feel discriminated against. You know, football is our 
our pastime. It's what we we do, we do on a week and we enjoy it. It's good for your mental health and it's what you live for, really. You live for going to football matches, seeing your mates and having that taken away. It, it deteriorates your mental health. We've seen how the impact it's had before when we with a year and a half without going to you know f- football matches but now you know we've, we've been back for a few months now it's been it's been a breath of fresh air again you know you, you meet new people you go to games and you have a drink you know, a couple of drinks and you should enjoy the day and and we just hope that we're not taking that backward step again through covid um, and obviously the, you know the safety of people is the most important and protecting people from the virus is important. But I think there comes a point where you've got to accept that this virus is going to be with us. And, mm. um, you know, we've got, in order to move forward, you have to realise that, you know, it's, that's, that's going to happen. So um, that, that post that was put out was ludicrous really to suggest people, oh, you've got to prioritise events, but, you know, the, the priority in most people's lives is going to the football. Um, and that's, you know, people sacrifice, you know, other things to do that and um, people take time off work and the work all week to look forward to stuff like that so having that taken away again is, is only going to impact people's mental health so I think it was stupid really to see that and um, you know but it's another again another stupid claim that the government have made but we won't go a whole lot into that I think it's important just to talk about the football but yeah um, yeah so I'm just hoping that uh, Saturday there's, the game will be ahead and we'll be able to uh, you know enjoy another City win, hopefully, but work it work on chickens yet. That wraps up another episode of the HFC Hub podcast. Great to be back recording. We look to get back to doing regular episodes now. I've got a bit more time on my hands, mainly my, my fault that we've not recorded for a while due to university work, but we're back to doing regular ones now, obviously, with a busy Christmas period. Hopefully, get back to producing content on the site. I know we say this every time, but we do mean it. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable. Well, to cut it short now, I'll stop uh, rambling on about a load of rubbish. Um, you hear that every week from me. Um, but yeah, cheers everyone for listening. We appreciate the support and we'll see you in the next episode.